Uh, I mean, I love I love Alan and Tim to death, but uh, you know, I, I appreciated their videos very much, and so I'm expecting that again. And then they put my daughter up there in, uh, from London, and then uh, then the rest of the family. And man, y'all know me. That's that's the end. So if I start crying during the message, it's just continuation of um, of that. I love my family. Um, and there's you know, yesterday, but today's my, actually my birthday, 59 for you that care. Um, or it's the 19th annual 41 that, uh, that, that, uh, we celebrated on Monday. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do love my family. Yesterday, you know, if I can have anything for birthday, it's just get the family under the same roof for, for just a moment, you know, and kind of catch your breath. And uh, so my mom was able to be there. Pam's dad was able to be there. And so um, and grandkids and kids, and except for Mandy, but uh, and Cody was out playing weekend warrior with the security team. And uh, But uh, appreciate appreciate my family very much. And I appreciate you as a church body. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about uh, these past three months today. Next week's Easter and then... Um, and then the next week, we kind of talked about allowing me to process a little bit. And for you that have come on board in the last three months, uh, you're probably thinking, who is this guy? And uh, does he have the right to get up here and preach because the preaching has been so good over the last uh, weeks? And, uh, um, but uh, I have uh, been on the disabled list and, and just some things that happened and, and uh, surgery and then complications a little bit later with some blood clots and just took me down, and so uh, the elders and pastors, as we began to, te- uh, to talk, I appreciated them giving me, uh, by uh, suggestion, a long on-ramp to be able to get back on so that I'm breathing properly, so that I'm getting around properly, and, and that kind of thing. And so uh, one, of my, one of my goals was is that uh, for my birthday, uh, just to be able to uh, give back to the Lord. in his word. I can't think of anything I'd rather do on my birthday. So, uh, so I, I need to talk uh, talk about something else. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, on um, you know everything that's gone on in our community over the last um, weeks with the uh, bombing and this kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's always easy to say, okay, that's um, that's. Here, that's in the Austin area. It's a huge metro area and that kind of thing. And had a friend uh, text me on the day that uh, it all went down over here uh, by La Margarita, and, and uh, you know he said, "Oh, the, you know, Round Rock makes the news." And I knew I knew what he was talking about, and I kind of responded back, "Yeah, the the, the world's eyes are on Round Rock," and uh, and so uh, not knowing all of the details, and, and uh, but I know the relationship of many of you in the fam, uh, the church family here, know the Condits uh, personally. They've been worshiping here, and uh, I've been in communication with them, and uh, to let them know we love them and we care for them. Uh, their response was so uh, much like them for you that know the Condits is that um, we welcome your prayers, but also pray for everybody else that's been devastated uh, through what's taken place, and so. I committed to them that we would be their church body to pray for them, and um, they are away, which is secluded, which is where they need to be right now because, um, you know, just such the devastation that is there. So 
I wanted to just pause and just to pray and um, go before the Lord now on, on behalf of them and the behalf of um, all that's going on. And I tell you what's been so much in my heart, and I know, I know I need to get into God's Word, is that, you know, folks, we need a spiritual awakening. I mean, you know, I, I understand. I understand we can protest, and I understand gun laws, and I understand. But until the heart has changed, folks, nothing's going to change. And only God can, can change a heart. And so uh, that's what we pray. So would you just join me in prayer? Lord, we uh, bow before you this morning because, God, you are God. And, uh, Lord, we, um, we declare we need you, Lord. I pray on behalf of so many that have been affected over the last weeks and then just not understanding I pray for the condits, Lord, that you would um, just wrap them in your arms and remind them that they are your children. And, Lord, I pray for all the other victims, God. I know just families have been devastated. And, and uh, Lord, I pray at the, moments like these you would teach us how to be followers of Jesus, to represent you well. And, um, Lord, we pray for that great awakening. Begin today. God, if you just want to begin today, we welcome it. And uh, I just pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to, this is kind of the wrap-up of our 40 days of prayer. And uh, let, me, let me just kind of jump into this pretty quick because I, I really want to make some good points that I think are going to hammer this home for us. When I was in college, like many of you, I got a BA degree in uh, college and uh, um, out of that degree, you had to take, you know, liberal arts education. You had to take so much of history, so much math, so much English, so much everything. But you had to take so much science. Science was not my strength. It is still not my strength. Um, that, uh, that you had to take, you know, either biology or chemistry or physics or geology. Uh, long story short, I didn't want to take any of those, but I took geology because I figured it may be the the thing I could get by with the most. And, and uh, so, but you had to take so many hours. But every science class you took under a liberal arts BA education is you would get four credits. You would get four semester hours for it. Three would be the teaching that took place. One would be for the lab. And in other words, everything you learned in the classroom setting, you would somehow put into practice in the lab. I am afraid that the modern day church we have turned it into a teaching experience instead of being a lab where we're living it out among people. And one of my things about the 40 days of prayer, going back to when we were planning this in the fall, God worked it out the way he meant for it to be worked out, is that my prayer was God change our culture. That we're not just a church that tags on certain times during our services or at the end of the service, amen, now you go home. I'm praying, God, everything we do, would you saturate it with us growing close to you and we praying unto you. And to hear from you, just like Moses, God, we don't want to leave this place if you don't go with us. And see, that is what I'm praying will be our culture, that we will turn the teaching. I'm not opposed to teaching. You've learned a lot in these last 40 days, six weeks. But listen, it's time to put it into lab practice. And I can say this from a personal experience is that my prayer life has changed. 
um, it, it, has, it has radically changed. I very seldom, it seems like, get off the phone these days without praying with somebody or just to call and I'm praying for you and checking on you. Not to say, hey, I'm going to pray for you and then disappear and it not happen. I want to make sure that we are praying, that we are saying, Father, we need you in this situation. And so that is what I'm really praying about the 40 days. So today I just want to wrap it up. And I want to try to wrap these messages up so that we can go out into the lab and live it out the way we need to. But I had an experience that happened this week. On Friday, I went to see Alan, and Alan's doing okay. He's watching on Facebook Live. Amy, should be. Uh, But uh, I went to see Alan on Friday just to check on him before lunch. And, And when I finished, I had some lunch errands I needed to run before I came back into the office. And uh uh, but I knew I needed to grab a quick lunch. So what I did was, uh, coming back from Alan and Amy's house, I was going, I thought, well, I'll just run into Freddy's. It's probably not the healthiest food in the world, but it's going to be fast. I'll be able to get it. So I parked there in the Freddy's parking lot, go up to the door, and it's locked. And on the door, there is a note. And all the note says is this, sorry we're closed, power issues. Sorry we're closed, power issues. Now, somehow the electricity went out. I don't know if it was out in other stores around there. Somehow the electricity had gone out in Freddy's and they had to close down. Sorry we're closed. Power issues. I turned to walk away and went back to my car and all of a sudden it was like the Holy Spirit just kind of jolted me because I was thinking about the message. And he jolted me with this. How many churches today need to put on their doors, sorry we're closed, power issues? Because it's not about how good we can get up and lead music. It's not how good we can teach. It's not how good we can greet. It's not how good we can build facilities. It is about the power of God being manifested among his people. And I'm afraid we live in a day where many churches need to to just put on the door, sorry we're closed, we have power issues. And I really believe that prayer is going to be the key for us as we work through this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And, and what I'm going to do, you can, you can hold your Bibles open there. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm going to be jumping around to some different verses. So just hang with me today. Take notes. I think it's important. It helps you to, to live out what we're talking a little bit. But in Luke chapter 11, what has happened here is it's part of, you're, we're not going to read the whole thing, but part of it is the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave us. And we've studied that. Uh, we've, we've learned about that. Wasn't last week beautiful as Alan led the, uh, the different pictures of the different languages that took place in the Lord's Prayer? What a beautiful thing. But what happens here in Luke chapter 11, I just want to read uh, verse, verse 1. It says this. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. They, they noticed that part of Jesus' life was always praying. And he slipped away to this certain place. And it, it says that he finished. Isn't it interesting that he actually finished this prayer? The Bible says pray without ceasing. But Jesus finished this prayer. And, and you go back and read about the prayers of Jesus. Some were just sentences. Some were just encouragement. Some were um, scripture. I mean, Jesus had a different prayer life. Just go back and read about it. So it's not... It's not so much modeling a particular way as it is growing close and intimate with the Father. And so what this disciple comes up to Jesus and says, uh, you know, I could basically ask him anything, 
But I want to ask him this one thing. Would you teach us how to pray? It reminds me of in John chapter 1 when Jesus called his first disciples is that there were two disciples that used to be followers of a guy named John the Baptist. And now they're going to follow Jesus. And John the Baptist has said, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So they go and follow him. So they're walking behind Jesus and Jesus turns around and spots these guys and he says this, what are you seeking? In other words, it's if basic translation is, what do you guys want? Now imagine Jesus, the king of the universe, the, the one who is the son of God, turns and asks you, what do you, what do you want? These guys could have said anything, but this was their response. We want to know where you're staying. In other words, we know there's something different about you. There's something about your relationship with the Heavenly Father that we want to be where you're at. And that's the way it was with this disciple asking Jesus to teach him to pray. He had seen miracles. He had seen limbs grow. He had seen eyes healed. He had seen the demons cast out. He had seen the multiplying of fish and bread. He didn't come to ask those things. Jesus teaches how to do a miracle. Jesus teaches how to teach, teaches how to preach. He said, would you teach us how to pray? The reason about teaching how to pray is because they looked at Jesus and they saw that everything stemmed from his relationship with the Heavenly Father. And that's what they knew they needed to tap into. So prayer is not asking for everything. It's not this wish list before we put before God. The Father gave us prayer so that we could stay close and intimate with him. Now, in my life, like many of you, I have different relationships. Um, every now and then I'll get those phone calls, and, and I don't get too many of them because I usually don't answer them. But I don't recognize the number, but because of what we've gone through the last couple of months, it may be a hospital, it may be something like that. So I, uh, I answer it, and uh, I get something like this. Uh, is this Mr. Uh, Westerfield? No. Uh, I don't have to go any farther. I don't need to share Jesus with them at that minute. I, I just, I, I just, it's just no. Okay? Because that person does not know me. They, they're calling because they're getting their minimum wage to do that. And that's fine. That's perfectly okay. I don't have a problem with a person doing that as a job. It's really hard to do. But they're calling a stranger, and I'm a stranger, so I just say no. Now, there's other people that especially as I get older, like today, they'll say, Mr. Westerfield. And it's out of respect. And I may know them. I may not know them. It's probably not that close to relationships. It's probably more business related. And when they say Mr. Westerfield, it still is a relationship, but we we just, it, there's some distance in there. Now, if somebody comes up to me and they say, Reverend Westerfield, I am a reverend. I'm ordained. Um, but I very seldom get called Reverend Westerfield. And if somebody says Reverend Westerfield, I'm thinking, you know about me, but you really don't know me. And uh, so I'll we'll talk, but there's probably not going to be a whole lot of uh, action that takes place. But if somebody comes up to me and they say, hey, Pastor Mark, now that's that's different because that person probably knows me. Uh, no, or they come to church here and that's kind of the title uh, uh, that I have around here, Pastor Mark. So, okay, I, I know them, I know you, we may have a deeper relationship that takes place. If somebody just calls me Mark, um, now that person probably knows me a little bit better. They feel this is a friendship thing, it's just a, a relationship, and so the intimacy is there a little bit closer. 
But if somebody comes up to me and they say, Pops, like the video, now we've gone to another level. I basically stop what I'm doing, and they have my undivided attention. Now, if someone says, hey, Dad, once again, I stop. Why do I stop? It's because of the intimacy of the relationship. Now, if someone comes to me and says, hey, babe, It all stops at that point because of the intimacy of the relationship. You see where I'm going on this. Uh, I, I read this week, who is it that is able to come to the king at midnight and ask for a cup of water? The king's son. And, you know, the intimacy that we have, that's what prayer is all about, is about having intimacy with the father. And that's what we are looking for, is that prayer is the relationship. But the problem is this. In fact, this message is called, Who Do You Think You're Talking To? Because how you view God is going to determine the intimacy of your prayer life and probably the effectiveness and power of your prayer life. Some of you have seen God as you saw your earthly father, and we currently live in the most abandoned father day that we've ever lived in. And so many young people are growing up with a negative view of their heavenly father. When they hear that term, it's even archaic because they just don't understand it. My dad died when I was real young, and so I dealt with abandonment for a long time. Is that, God, do you really care? And so many of you have dealt with that. But you have other views of God. Some of you see God as grumpy God. He's just angry. It's like you're an ant and he's just waiting to squash you. I mean, he's mad about everything. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And that's how you see God. And it's hard to pray to a God that's telling you no all the time. Or you see God as uninvolved. He's really not involved um, with our life. He just set everything in motion and it's going to happen regardless. So whether I pray or not, he's uninvolved. That's how we see God. Or you may see God as cosmic cop. He, he just, he set out a rules and regulation and he's just waiting for you. He's watching over your shoulder to see if you're going to break any of those laws. And that's how you see God. You're just afraid of him all the time. Or you see God as dictator God. He's the dictator. He's the one that's just telling everybody what to do. You know, he's just got pointing that finger. You do this. You do that. This is what you do. Here's one I see today is we see God as Santa Claus. He's Santa Claus, God. We, our prayers are wish lists. God, we want you to give me health. We want you to give me wealth. We want all our family to be safe. We need a good income. We need this. We need this. We need this. Thank you, Lord. But not my will, but yours be done. That's basically what we, that's what we say. And, and, uh, that's, we see him as, as Santa Claus. Um, or this one scares me a little bit. We have Plato God. Plato God is we take and we mold God into our image. And then we pray to him at that point. How you see God will determine the intimacy of where your prayer is going to be. I don't care if we teach for a hundred days on prayer. If there's not intimacy there, it's not going to happen. In fact, um, what I want to do just for a couple of minutes is is, uh, I want to deal with one character aspect of God. Um, 
God is almighty. He's all powerful. He's great. He's loving. He's holy. There's nothing beyond him. He knows everything. He is here. I mean, all of these characters of God, characteristics of God are true according to God's word. And by faith, we receive them. But I want to talk to you a few minutes about one that I hope sinks in. And I want you to hear me correctly. God is good. God is good. Now, I know some of you have gone through some things and you're thinking, okay, if he was good, why did this happen? Uh, Believe me, we ask some questions. God, if you're good, why did this happen? Uh, Others are asking questions. God, if this is good, if you're good, why did this happen? I want you to know God is good. I'm not up here to defend him on why everything happens, but I'm telling you, we live in a a very fallen, uh, broken world. And God, uh, through his incredible mercy and grace, allows for these fallen choices and broken wills. But he is still good. In fact, I want to read a couple of scripture to you. In uh, Luke chapter 18, I'm just going to get on to these for the sake of time. But in Luke chapter 18, verses 18 and 19, this ruler comes up to Jesus. And this is what he says. A ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. This guy comes up to Jesus and he recognizes him as the son of God. And he says, good teacher. And Jesus just comes back on him. He says, only God is good. So why why do you even talk to me as good? In Psalm 100, I want to read this to you. Over in Psalm uh, 100, which is a beautiful psalm, it says this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And then I want to read one more. This is out of a little prophet called Nahum. Nahum verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Let me say it again. God is good. I don't know what you're going through today. And I know you may be questioning that. You're just thinking, Mark, do you know the pain that I have? I want you to know God is good. And I, I want to just give you five quick things on if God is good, we can know this as we pray to him. No, number one is this. If God is good... God's plan for my life will be good. It will always be good. God's plan for me will be good. I I know um, we live in a broken world. I know we live in a day of free choice and free will that God allows us to to, uh, choose things that may be harmful to us. But I'm telling you, God has a plan. He is a loving, good, good father. And we need to hear that. And I know that's foreign to some of us because we didn't have a good earthly father. So knowing a good heavenly father is foreign to us. But I want you to know he has a plan that is good for you. And so that is part of prayer is that as we have that intimacy with the father, we start to see that plan unfold. The problem with many of us is we're bucking against whatever's coming into our life. I know this over the last three months that uh, God has taken sandpaper to me in a lot of areas. First of all, reminding me that I'm mortal, 
and that I that this earth suit is going to give out one day. But he has taught me so much more in the midst of this. I'm still processing. I don't know what all it is. But if I believe God is good, I know it is good. The second thing is this. God always gives me what I need and not what I deserve. Do you want what you deserve? It says that nothing that is unholy will come into the presence of God. How are you going to do that on your own merit? You're not. There is no way. So if you're left up to your own good and you get what you deserve, you don't want it. And I know it's, it's, we want to pray, God, take out all the evil people in this world. I want you to know something about your pastor's heart, according to Jeremiah 17. It is as deceitful as it can be. Except for what Jesus Christ has done in redeeming me, I can be left to the, to the most unredeeming acts without the grace of God. And so we need to be careful uh, in thinking, oh, let's pray evil upon everybody. Let's, let's understand God is going to give us what we need and what we, not what we deserve. And so I want you to hang on to that. Because let me tell you, if you got everybody in this room, I don't care how good you are and perfect you are and how righteous you are, apart from Jesus Christ, we will spend a godless eternity in a permanent hell. I don't want what I deserve. He will give me what I need, which is salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Thirdly is this. If God is good, God put my good above his own good. Let me explain what I mean by that. God put my good above his own good. It says this. Jesus became sin who knew no sin. Jesus became Palm Sunday is today. It is when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. They had the palm branches. They laid their cloaks out before him. And everybody is celebrating that this is the coming king. Only to where a week later, they're going to crucify him on a cross. Now, I want you to know, Jesus did not go to that cross for his own good. He went to that cross for my own good. He paid the price that I could not pay. He did that for me. He took my place. He put my good ahead of his good at that time. And eternal life is only possible through Jesus Christ. And I know we try so many different ways to be morally good, to work our way through this thing. But I want you to know when it's all said and done, seven billion people on this planet will stand before a holy God. And the only thing we have is what Jesus Christ has done. He put my good ahead of his good. Number four. There's five of these. Number four. God does not say yes to every request. Oh, man. I could have done without that. I figure just I'm his child. I can just ask for anything. Uh, I love my kids. Uh, you know, my grandkids. You know, see, the, see them up here on the screen. It's a beautiful thing. But when I was raising my kids... Just because they wanted something didn't mean they got it. Because I, as the parent, was responsible not to be their best buddy, but to take care of them and raise them in such a way that they would be contributing to society and not a deterrent. And so that meant that I had to say no to some things that I might want to give to them. And so we need to understand that if I am a limited earthly father, how much more will a loving heavenly father give those things that we need? And it's not always a yes. 
Now, sometimes it is flat no. God, I'd really like a, a, a new car when I walk out into the parking lot a little bit. I, I believe the answer is going to be no. Um, I don't even have, I don't have faith that that's going to happen. I'm fine with the cars I got. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes it's, it's, the request is a wait. It's just not the timing yet. God's working all things together for His good. And so we, we want to see Him and His timing work that out. So God does not say yes to every request. Sometimes He does. Let me, let me just say something to you right quick. Some of you have loved ones or neighbors or coworkers who are not followers of Jesus. In Book of Hebrews, we are told that um, it's destined unto man to die once, but then it comes the judgment. But the Bible also tells us this. It's God's will that none perish, but all come to repentance. It's God's will that, all, that, that someone not perish, but come to repentance. So you want to know you're praying according to God's will? You pray. Pray, pray, pray. God's working out things. I realize there's free choice and there's free will, but, but you're praying, God, uh, allow this to happen. God, bring them to you. Orchestrate it. Number five, if God is good, God invites us to abide with Him forever. To abide with Him. To stay connected to Him. See, that's what I've, I've told your prayer is. Prayer is not you coming with a, with a wish list. Prayer is you drawing close to the heart of the Father and knowing His will for you and your will for Him. And that's what prayer is as you walk this out together. In the book of Luke, once again, uh, in that same chapter 11, as it goes on, Jesus' teaching, I want to read to you in verse 9. It says this, Jesus speaking, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Those, those words, ask, seek and knock, are continuation um, words. In other words, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? His very presence, God is good, and I believe He is. God desires for us to abide and stay close to Him forever. God is good. I was praying, God, show me how to wrap this up because I think this is so important and and we need to to grab it. And as I was reading, as part of the 40 days, there was a particular verse one day that just struck me. And and, uh, like you, if you're doing the journals, uh, you know, I had to stop and really reflect on that because it struck me hard. And it's in, in, it's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse uh, 36. And uh, what, what happens is, is Jesus, it's Jesus in the garden before he's going to be crucified, okay? He's praying in there. It's all the weight of the world. The sin of mankind has been placed upon him, okay? And so he's under this incredible stress. And we know in Luke's gospel, it says he sweat so hard that blood came forth from his forehead down his face because the stress was so, um, so severe. But Jesus prayed this prayer in Mark's gospel. 
It says in, in Mark uh, chapter 14, verse 36, it says this. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He says this, Abba, Father. Now that's foreign to us, okay? We don't know what that means. But literally it means this. Uh, we, when we were in Israel in Caesarea, we saw a little little child run into his dad. He, his dad was around the corner, and he was calling out for his dad, and he's saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. We're, we're saying, Daddy, Daddy. And so what Jesus is saying here, get this, in the intensity of this moment of prayer, he is saying, Daddy, Daddy, Father. You see the intensity, and he wants his daddy so bad. That's the relationship that they have. Daddy. And then he says this. All things are possible with you. There's nothing you can't do. And it would be our heavenly heavenly Father. God, there's nothing that's beyond you. No healing is beyond you. No no amount of, of, of taking care of mankind is beyond you. Rooting out evil. God, it is getting rid of cancer. God, it is it is possible for you. And then he then he is so bold as to say, Get this cup away from me. I don't want to take it, Father. I don't want to drink the cup of what I'm about to go through at the cross. I don't want to do this. But then it's like he catches his breath. Because of the relationship, he trusts his heavenly father so much. He says, but not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. You see the intimacy of Jesus' prayer life? He's willing to ask because he knows his father can do anything. We can ask anything, even the impossible, because God can do it. But he's saying... He's saying, Daddy, Daddy, you can do everything. And I know you can take this away, but it's what you will. See, folks, if I can get anything to us in prayer, it's not what you get out of it. It's the relationship you have in it. I'll end with this. It's a story I've used before, but it, it brings, it resonates home right here. There was a missionary who had spent his life on the foreign mission field. And uh, it was, he had reached the place where his body's starting to break down and he's a retirement age. And so he and his wife make the decision that they're going to make their way back and finish out the remainder of their years in the United States. So they board the ship and they're coming across the Atlantic. And they come into the uh, New York Harbor and as they're coming into the New York Harbor, they notice there's thousands of people lining the harbor. And they've got bands and they've got banners and they've got all this stuff. And so he and his wife are, are looking out there and he's thinking, oh, you know, basically, Father, I gave my whole life for you. And look, look what you've done. All these people are here to, to welcome us home. And, and so the ship comes on in and, and docks. And he did not know this, but President Roosevelt had been on the same ship. And as President Roosevelt gets off, he realizes all of a sudden that these people aren't here to see him. They're here to see President Roosevelt. And he and his wife gather their luggage and they're having to carry it off. There's no one there to help them. And they get into a carriage and they're making their way um, through New York, headed to their home. And he's downcast and the wife looks at him and what's going on. And he says this, he says, we've given our whole life to God. We've given our whole life to serve the Father. We've given our whole life for this. And we come home, and there's not even anybody here to get our luggage. There's not anybody here to even welcome us home. 
And the wife looks at him and says this, we're not home yet. Listen, folks, I'm telling you, as long as we're on this planet, I hate to say it, but you're either coming out of a storm, you're in a storm, or you go through another storm. But I'm telling you, God is good. Some of you need to know God today. You're saying, how do I do that? Well, I'm telling you, it's through His Son, Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price on a cross for your sins so that you can have a relationship with Him. I want us to pray. Would you just bow your head with me?